Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Reading the Bible is something that Catholics kind of get a bad rap about, but as St. Jerome once eloquently put it, ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing the why and how behind encountering Christ in the Bible. Today, we're welcoming to this show Sonia Corbett, who is the, known as the Bible study evangelista, and she has some amazing books and an amazing story to how she found the Catholic faith. So welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you, Chloe, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So we're just going to just dive right in and jump into your story. And so before we get get into the books you've written and your passion for the Bible, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story as, as a woman and your journey to Catholicism? Sure. Uh, so I am a mother of two. My oldest is 19 and my youngest is 11. Mm-hmm. And you can probably tell already that I'm from the side. I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> And um, I, because of that, I was born and raised Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. and I had never, ever been exposed to a single Catholic. Wow. So um, I was always curious about it, though. I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of exploration, I should say, uh, in school. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about Catholicism just because of the, what we would call now, smells and bells. Yep. But I wasn't really exposed to it much. And I was taught, actually, that Catholicism uh, was a cult, mm. that Catholics were going to hell and the Pope was the Antichrist. Oh, wow. And, you know, yep. all that stuff that Martin Luther left us. Yep. So um, I was pretty much afraid of it all. But my husband and I, we have always gone to church from our very earliest years of marriage. And so... We started attending a little country church out by us, and we were there for about five years, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not even that long. Mm-hmm. And that church split. There was a, a group of people who rose up against our pastor, oh, wow. and it was pretty much, uh, looking back on it, it was really just a personality disagreement. Mm-hmm. But they... They had an opinion, and they pretty much just ran him off. Mm. And I didn't know him very well, so I wasn't all that disturbed about it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I was so young, I didn't really know what was going on, although I had an opinion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so about five years later, though, um, we got a new pastor, and the very same thing happened. Only this time, I did know him and his wife and his children, his family very, very well. And not only that, but I was very loyal to him mm-hmm. because he had given me his Sunday school class. Oh, wow. And it was co-ed, and that was just not done, mm-hmm. really, um, mm-hmm. in our denomination. So, um, and not just for that reason, but for a lot of reasons. He was a, a father figure to me in, in some ways. So, I loved him dearly. And when this happened again, the very same people and similar issues but they leveled a very serious accusation against him and we knew because we knew him Mm -hmm. that they were um false Mm -hmm. but you know you have to go through all of the all of the processes of making sure that they're false so you know he was accused and then we had to have an audit and all of that so Mm -hmm. of course you know lots and lots of time passed the pastor was discouraged and he eventually left so they were successful in running him off too Mm -hmm. and eventually he was proven to be uh, faithful Mm -hmm. but by that time his livelihood and everything had been really completely destroyed his reputation in our area Mm -hmm. because of that um I wouldn't say was destroyed, but it was damaged. So I was very, very angry about that, having seen it twice. Mm -hmm. And so that really began the journey for me. Uh, I knew what the Bible says about God's pastors, how he 
he makes better provision for both his people and his pastors mm -hmm. than what I was seeing in our churches. Mm -hmm. And so I began to do some research on Martin Luther mm -hmm. because that, you know, obviously was where it all began. So I started reading his own writings. And what I discovered is, mm, you know, first of all, he's not very holy. Uh-huh. And secondly, his basically what he did was split the church on a monumental scale. Mm -hmm. And because God had been dealing with me personally on rebellion in my own life and practice because of what I call a father wound, uh, I recognized it in Martin Luther. I recognized, first of all, that he had a father wound. Mm -hmm. And secondly, that what he did was split the church. Mm -hmm. And that's evil. Mm -hmm. God talks about the fact that we have to be submissive to authority because he works through it. Yep. Even if it's, even if it's bad, even if it's what we would say bad authority, mm -hmm. um, he still works through it. Mm -hmm. So there's never an excuse to just flat out rebel, mm -hmm. which is what Martin Luther did. So anyway, at that point, I started trying to, you know, figure out, if I was going to be able to tolerate what the church taught. Mm -hmm. So I got a hold of the catechism, and that was pretty much the beginning of the end. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love how you talk about authority, how, I mean, yes, yeah, humans are messy and, and they make mistakes, but God is still able to work through that, and that's so beautiful. He does, and I think that's why he talks about how much faith it requires yeah. to see him working through other people because we're all sinful. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing I found after I came into the church was, you know, non-Catholic pastors would say that of themselves. You know, I'm the leader here. You should follow me because mm -hmm. God has put me in this position. Mm -hmm. But yet when it comes to the Reformation, they totally go off the reservation on that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole different. Somehow they, in their minds, they can't reconcile those two things that yeah. that, that was a church split. Yeah. Yeah. And what a year to talk about it too. We're like celebrating that or not that's celebrating, right. just like acknowledging that's been 500 years ago. And that's, that's a long time for that much division. And it's only like, it only cascaded down from that. Like that initial division has led to so much division even after that. That's right. And it's so confusing. It's, it parallels almost exactly the kingdom split in the old Testament mm -hmm. that Jesus himself with the woman at the well denounced. Mm hmm. And so in seeing those two things side by side, that was another one of the things that sort of brought me in. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, there was nothing good about that. That yeah. was the greatest sin of God's people in the Old Testament was that schism. Mm -hmm. And here we have it repeating, you know, in the church. Yep. So it was a no brainer, really, at that point, although my heart took a, a, a while to kind of catch up. Yeah. Was it hard to, like, combat the lies that you had been taught about Catholicism, like the Antichrist or that this is the cult or things like that? very hard. Yeah. It was very hard. That was the hardest thing, really. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just because it had been instilled from the time I was breathing. Yeah. You know, my yeah. first breath. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was probably the hardest part. Yeah. I think not just for me, but everybody who watched me do it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, but yeah, it's like a different, you're, you're breaking the mold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Did your husband join the Catholic church at the same time that you did? No, he didn't. And in fact, that was part of the difficulty because, he had no idea what the heck I was doing. Uh -huh. And I am an avid reader and studier anywhere, anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he had no idea what I was even reading. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so by the time I finally got around to saying, I came out, you know, okay, I'm going to go to mass. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he was just stunned. Uh -huh. And it was very confusing for him. He had no idea where it was coming from. And, you know, we couldn't talk about it because it was a fight yep. every single time. So we just decided not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it took about five years before he came in. And, and of course, my, my children um, 
they preceded him mm-hmm. by two years, I believe. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was that was the most difficult part was yeah. knowing how badly I was being misunderstood and mm-hmm. not being able to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I just had to I had to really cling to Mary in that one because. I, I watched how she did it with Joseph and how she waited on God to defend her and mm-hmm. affirm her. And, yeah. Yeah. And he did. Yep. And he did it in a way that she could never have done it. Yes. So the wisdom in that just taught me, you know, you just be still, be quiet and let God work. Yep. And in about five years, you know, we were all under the same um, church roof. That's so beautiful. Welcome home. That's so Thank great. You. Yes. <laughs> the best gift, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I consider my marriage and my children, of course, my first gifts, mm-hmm. but because of the teachings of the church and the sacraments, they have made me a better wife and better mother. I hope, I pray, I think so. <laughs> and because of that, the church has been the best gift I've ever received. That's so beautiful. So now you're on a mission, and your mission, I mission. <laughs> your mission is to, to let people know that Jesus literally loves them to death. And so, can you tell uh, us? Uh, can you tell us about your mission, your ministry now, today, and what is involved in your passion for the new evangelization? Well, uh, that was another new term, new evangelization. Yeah. And as a non-Catholic, I, I found my gifts very early. Um, I was teaching, I was co-teaching, actually, with my mentor, who was um, a couple of decades older than I. Mm-hmm. And we started in the book of Acts, I remember, and she just looked at me a couple weeks in and said, you know, I really think you're supposed to teach this by mm-hmm. yourself. Wow. And I said, I really kind of think I am, too. But, I, you know, I didn't know even where that came from because yeah. I didn't do anything about anything. <laughs> But that was the beginning for me, and I studied so much, and it was just, I was voracious. I could not get enough of it. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of discerning that I had a teaching gift. Mm -hmm. So I began um, operating in that gift, both in my local parish, and then I began receiving invitations uh, itinerantly, and then my denomination. I got some attention that way, and I was about to be published when I came into the church. Wow. So I felt like I was leaving all that behind, Mm -hmm. but I also knew that God had called me to it in a public way. I knew it. And so that was part of the dilemma for me. If I enter the Catholic Church, I am, I am essentially saying no to what I believe God has called me to do. Yeah. It was very, very difficult because I, I believed that that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now I think that's funny. But, <laughs> but I, uh, my pastor, as soon as I came into the church that very year, my pastor made me the religious education director for our parish. Wow. And that helped me see very plainly the gaps in the catechism for adults Mm -hmm. and it was in the area of the scriptures Mm. so right away i start i just dove into writing catholic studies for catholic adults Mm -hmm. bible studies Mm -hmm. and it just sort of snowballed from there i i um most of the bible study that occurs to this point in the church is what we call expositional and that's where we're studying for information Mm -hmm. and it's usually oriented around a book of the bible or a whole testament Mm -hmm. and that takes a long time to do and it's discouraging for people who are just starting they don't you know they don't get that at all and it's it is very very difficult so my approach has always been a little different, though. I, I approach it from a topical point of view. So we study anger or we stutter, study the father wound mm-hmm. or we study the fruits of the spirit or, you know, something like that so that people can automatically see this is what I'm going to learn about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the book, you know, you read the Gospel of John, you're like, 
okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, there's a lot of info packed in there. Right. It, it's just not easily discernible to people who don't do it very often. Mm-hmm. So that automatically, I had a little niche there. Mm-hmm. And um, so my passion then comes in in getting people in touch with God on a regular basis in the scriptures for themselves Mm -hmm. so that he can begin that evangelization in them Mm -hmm. individually Mm -hmm. and that transformation and and that renewal that occurs through Lectio Divina or Mm -hmm. what I call love the word Mm -hmm. uh, in in a way that is specific to each individual. That is where the renewal comes. And and I I believe it was... um, uh, Benedict, Pope Benedict, who said that renewal will come to the church through the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, a couple years, many years back, actually. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing that happen. That is what is happening right now. The Holy Spirit is really doing a work in the scriptures for his church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love you're called the Bible study evangelista, which I love. It's such a beautiful name. And at the heart of it, like, why is scripture and studying God's word so important, especially for women today? It is important because God is speaking there every single day. The catechism tells us that the one table involves the Eucharist and the scriptures, and most of us are only getting the Eucharist. Yep. So until we figure out those two pieces and bring them together for the one table, we're not really well nourished. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're struggling in our... Uh, in, in raising our children or in our marriages or in our relationships with our parents mm-hmm. or in our uh, workplaces, when we're struggling in those areas, maybe we're self-medicating and, and we don't know how to get a handle on that. Maybe we have uh, terrible habits that we'd like to change and don't know how to do that. The grace from that, the the truth of that, that God gives us in his scriptures, it, it, it is invaluable. There there is no greater, except for um, the Eucharist, obviously, and yeah. the, the sacraments, there is no greater power for transformation for people. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not in the scriptures on a daily basis, we're not hearing from God about those individual circumstances and relationships in our lives. So we women especially need it because Mary is our perfect model. Mm-hmm. She heard the word and she knew how to act on it. Yep. So she teaches us how to do it. Yep, that's so beautiful. And being able to encounter her in the scriptures and to read her, like her very words that she, you know, said in in scriptures is such a beautiful ability that we have that I don't think we tap into enough, especially as Catholics. We don't. And that feminine genius is something that God created and he understands and he knows. Yep. We we think we know, but we don't really know (laughs) what God has put us here for. Yep, exactly. And in order to grow into that potential, we have to put ourselves completely at his disposal. And we do that in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. When I first encountered you, it was through a book that you recently wrote with Deacon Harold Burke-Sibers called Ignite, Read the Bible Like Never Before. And it's a beautiful book, and I'll put it in the show notes because I really enjoyed it. But how does your how does this most recent book help someone approach the Bible like they haven't ever approached it before? Well, part of the confusion in picking up a Bible for the first time is not knowing anything about the genres or uh, the way it's ordered mm-hmm. or the point of it. Mm-hmm. And so... Deacon Harold and I approached it in two ways. First, the the church has always taught us that we should start with Lectio Divina, mm-hmm. which is that process of disposing ourselves to the Holy Spirit in the scriptures on a daily basis and, and listening for his voice there. Mm-hmm. So we start the book with that approach. But then we move into how to study, mm-hmm. how to read it in order to, to get the information and the voice of God that we're looking for in a more in-depth way. So we lined it up and organized it in a sort of Thomas Aquinas way. So it's the who, what, where, when, why, and how Mm -hmm. of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Who is it about? 
what is it telling us? What's the point? Where does it take place and why does that matter? Mm -hmm. Uh, When is the history of salvation? Why? Why do we do the stuff that God tells us to do? And how do we do it? What is liturgy and what does that mean? So all of that stuff is contained in that in that book. And the the big church word for it is hermeneutics. It just means how to study it, yeah. how to interpret it. And so when you have those basic tools, it makes the Bible understandable in a way that it, if you don't have the tools, you don't have just right out of the chute. So mm-hmm. you're confused automatically mm-hmm. <laughs> because you don't have sort of the parameters with which to read it. Mm -hmm. And I remember in seminary, as soon as I took a class on hermeneutics, I thought this is what everybody needs. Mm -hmm. They just need something to, to hinge what they're reading on and the who, what, where, when, why, and how does that. Yep. Yep. My favorite part of it was like, I'm a history, I studied history in college and I just, I loved even like the geography of like, this is what mm-hmm. it looked like. And this is what, you know, the ground was. And this is probably sure. what they experienced on a daily basis. Cause it's easy to just be like, oh, that, that happened so long ago, you know, and to, to make it in, or to even like, this is just a story or what, or however you approach it. And just having that real concrete, like, this is what the geography of that location looked like makes that come alive so much more. It totally does. It makes it real in a way that just reading it on the page doesn't. It's mm-hmm. like those people way back there, mm-hmm. and they don't really, maybe they didn't even exist. Maybe this is even just a story. Yeah. But to have the geography and to have the the uh, I- the idioms and the culture and the customs, mm-hmm. it makes so many of those parables and those stories, it gives us the meaning of them. Yep. You know, if you don't have that context, sometimes it's not very uh, easily, easily understood. And so... Ignite really is a map to how to read the Bible. Yep. Yep. I love that description. That that sums it up perfectly. And just, yeah. And how handy it is to know, oh, this is what's coming up next. Oh, this is what this means. It makes such a difference when you dive into scripture. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> For sure. You have written, you've written in the in this book and that your relationship with Christ was ignited only when you became serious about obedience to daily prayer and to the scriptures and right in like ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ. So mm-hmm. how do we overcome this stereotype that like, oh, Catholics don't read the Bible? Well, we, there's really only one way and that is to read it. Exactly. But ultimately the Holy Spirit, you know, he's the one who does that. He's the one who inspires and motivates and equips Mm -hmm. in the church. And that's what I'm seeing happen. I'm seeing Bible study materials and, and, uh, reading tools and people who are able to break it open. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeing so much of that. It's just catching fire all over the world right now because the Holy Spirit is, I think, doing a work of unity in the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is bringing in, he's about to bring in a huge wave of non-Catholics and the Bible is going to be central to that. Mm-hmm. If we don't know our Bibles, we can't evangelize yeah. non-Catholics. Yep. So that's what he's doing, I think. I think we, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters gave us this really intense hunger for it. Mm-hmm. They provoked us. They made us jealous for what they <laughs> yep. know yep. in the scriptures. And so now it's our turn as we learn it and we digest it and we live it, that becomes attractive to a non-Catholic who says, okay, how do they know that? Yeah. You know, we have the real, the ancient roots of it. Mm-hmm. And the sacraments to enliven in, in it even more. Yeah. And so we, in turn, will make them jealous for the sacraments, yep. I believe. Yep. I think that's what's happening. And then that beautiful like connection where you heal divisions because there's fulfillment of both of those in the Catholic Church. And that's so beautiful. Amen. Yep. 
I love it. St. Paul says that too in uh, Romans 11, and, and that's kind of how I see it. You know, he has used the non-Catholics to make Catholics jealous for the scriptures, mm -hmm. and he will do the same with us, with the non-Catholics, and bringing them back in under the the umbrella of the church, the true church, their heritage. Yeah, I love it. That's so beautiful. And what a, like, a, an attractive way to pull them in too, where it's like, you, you know, there's both, there's both. It's so beautiful. Yeah, for sure. So then if we break the stereotype by opening our Bible and reading it, where do we start? And so I know that it's not just like, you know, playing Bible roulette and flipping through the Bible and opening up to a random page and getting stuck in like Leviticus or the genealogy of Christ and being even more right. confused. <laughs> but do you have any practical tips for women who have been in that where they want to open and scripture and read more, but they just don't know where to start? I do, but it depends on the goal. Mm -hmm. If the goal is to get in touch with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, mm -hmm. I have put together something called Love the Word. Mm -hmm. It's listen, observe, verbalize, and entrust, and it's the process of Lectio Divina without the Latin. Mm -hmm. And um, instructions on how to do that and uh, what that means are both in the book Ignite and also on my website, BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Mm -hmm. But then if you're approaching it through study, my recommendation is always to to before you begin to learn something about what it is you're reading. And so, like I said earlier, that's really why we wrote Ignite, to give people a map with which to start. Because if you start it in Genesis, you know, it reads like a narrative mm -hmm. all the way through Exodus. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then you hit Leviticus, which yep. is totally different. It has a completely different feel. It's depressing. Mm -hmm. It's oppressive. It is overwhelmingly rule oriented yep and so you don't understand the genre that you're reading you just stop most people stop there i call it leveled at leviticus because you just you hit it and you go this is terrible yep <laughs> and you just quit <laughs> so um it's important i think and and that's why we wrote ignite to get a map and to get a uh, direction and a vision for what you're reading so that it, it you don't get stopped and you don't get confused and you don't get aggravated yep and, and then just leave it yep yeah I know for me like when I hit Leviticus I read through it yeah I read through it and it was like oh this is great I'm following along I know what I'm doing and then when I hit Leviticus it was like oh like and it was pride too because it was like I want to make it through <laughs> I want to push through it and then you just get you <laughs> you I remember listen I, you know since this is a female show I can share this yeah I remember reading parts of that you know where women are unclean mm -hmm. every month yeah and because of the the blood that's involved mm -hmm. and I thought how can that be my fault? Right. You know, because I felt like it was a sin. If I'm unclean, that means I'm sinful. Well, how's that my fault, yeah. Lord? You know, that's not very upset. And I, I didn't understand it. And it, it felt automatically, um, automatically condemning. Yep. So like I say, you know, that's a book that can just, uh, just abruptly abort yes. <laughs> any sort of, of, reading and a tip to understand the Bible at all. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's really important to get a little bit of direction, I think. Yeah. I think I know for me too, like when I commit to that, mine is, I like, I do best when I pray in the morning and like pull out my Bible in the morning. And when I've committed to, okay, this is how I'm going to start my morning. And this is how my day is going to start off. It's amazing to see how much of an effect that has and how much that trickles down through the day where there are days that I can tell, like I did not start my morning off in prayer. I didn't, you know, dedicate my day to Christ and yep. yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And what I have, the, the busier I get in my ministry, the more closely I try to stick 
to that habit because, mm -hmm. and I think Mother Teresa was a great example of that where, mm -hmm. you know, they would spend an hour or more every day in prayer before they ever even started any of the stuff they did. And, yeah. and I mean, nobody could have been more busy than, than she and they. Mm -hmm. And so I, the busier I get, the more I know if I will spend that time and commit it to God, you know, he can, he can, well, he can, but he somehow orders the events and my day, mm -hmm. I know that if I don't get to it, it can wait and it will wait and he will make sure that it's okay that I've had to wait on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know by starting my day that way and giving all of the events to him that what gets done, he will multiply exponentially the time, it seems. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he does it, but it seems that way. Yep. So you get more done in less time <laughs> and what doesn't get done, you know for sure it will be fine. He will take care of it. Yep. Yep. That's so true. And it's easy, at least before that habit is formed to be like, oh, you know, it's a busy day to knock prayer off as the that's first right. thing. And that's like the worst that you, worst thing that you can do for your schedule. That's so true. Yep. And you, you're, you're stressed out yes. right out of the shoot. You know, yep. you're freaking out because you got all this to do and you've skipped your prayer time. Yep. So you don't have that anger in that peace. Yep. Yeah. And like putting Christ at the center and how, like you said, like everything just flows from that when he's there and when he's off, like there, everything's off balance. So yeah, definitely something to, to keep on top priority for sure. Amen. That's so true. Okay. You mentioned this a couple of times and I really want to delve into this. Your latest study is called healing the father wound. I love that phrase that resonates so true in my life and I know in the lives of other women. And so in that you talk about how a wound with others affects our relationship with our heavenly father. So how do we as women begin um, to ask God for healing in our lives from that father wound and what role does scripture play in that healing process? I think that scripture is maybe one of, well, I do know, I know from the catechism because the, the scriptures are part of that one table. Mm -hmm. It's the, the one or the two in the one, two punch. Mm -hmm. We have to have the scriptures in order to discern, first of all, where the Holy Spirit is already at work in our lives. Mm -hmm. And he does that through our patterns. I talk about that a lot in my book Unleashed. Mm -hmm. And and he uses then the scriptures to do two things. First, he tells us the truth mm -hmm. so that we know uh, what is true about it. He began with me with my in my father wound in a roundabout way. He started with my anger problem. Mm. And he showed me in the scriptures, first of all, that it was a pattern mm -hmm. through Proverbs 26, 11, a dog returns to his vomit. Uh -huh. And then later, just right on the heels of that, he showed me Psalm 4, 4 that says, be angry, but sin not. And then he gave me a whole process for how to deal with anger. And then he started to deal with the the real issue, which was the pain underneath that anger and where those roots were. Mm -hmm. So he used the scriptures to point out the truth of my behavior, the truth of the lies that I was listening to, which is, you know, if I'm angry, that makes me powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's not a, that's not true at all. Mm -hmm. It's actually the opposite. That's true. But it's the scriptures that have the power to dig into uh, our emotional and mental being mm -hmm. and not just tell us the truth, but make us know it's true. Yeah. You know, that that's the power of God's word. And so when he, the, the Bible also says that his word accomplishes the thing for which he sent it. So when it comes to me, it is powerful in and of itself. When I read it, it's not just words. It is God's word. And so it is powerful in and of itself. It accomplishes the thing that he sent it for. So when he said, be angry, but sin not, I know, first of all, I have control of my anger. Mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't feel like it, but he's going to show me how, mm -hmm. how that's true. And so the Bible is, 
it's invaluable. You can't get a, I mean, if you truly want to have that kind of relationship with God that transforms your life from the inside out, you must have the scriptures yeah. because that is where he tells us the truth in black and white. It's not a matter of, hmm, did I hear that right? You yeah. know, maybe that's not God. Maybe that's me. Yeah. When you have it on the page in black and white and you've read it and perhaps you've read it two or three days in a row and you know for sure that God is emphasizing the point, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you can't get away from that. It's like, and it is the most thrilling thing in the whole world to know, you know, I always thought that, that God was cooperating with what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get control of myself and God's cooperating with me. But in in fact, it's the opposite. God wants me to get control of myself and he's waiting on my cooperation. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's what the Bible does. And it that's why it's so invaluable. We have to be in it on a daily basis. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that concrete aspect where, yeah, in prayer, it is easy for me to be like, that's not really what he said, or I can pretend I didn't hear that. But if it's in scripture and I'm looking at it, it's like, there's no getting around it. Like that's what his word is. That's what he's that's telling right. me. Yeah. Especially if you journal it, you yes. know, and you see that there is a pattern in what he's saying. Yep over a period of time it is amazing yeah and to look back on it and like to see how yeah. he's worked on your heart and how you've grown closer to him yeah i love journaling just because there's that tangible like map of my life where it's like okay i've scooted closer to him i'm working on it i'm getting closer to him yep exactly i can see i can see improvement even though it's very small mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm not running or even walking sometimes i'm crawling yep. but at least i'm moving forward <laughs> exactly yep and it's the little steps that count right it's those building mm-hmm. trust in those little things so that it's it's easier to trust him with those big things too amen yep so last question and this is the one that i i love asking women who i interview um how has your love of god's word through scripture helped you live out the feminine genius in your ordinary daily life Well, again, I think this goes back to Our Lady. I did a series on the Magnificat Mm -hmm. uh, word by word. And what I discovered there is that Mary did not just sing a song that's called the Magnificat. Mary is the song. Mm -hmm. She is a Magnificat. And in, in studying about that and looking at her life and who she is, what I saw is that when we allow God through the scriptures to draw us into the fullest potential of who we were made to be, mm-hmm. we also become a magnificent. And so for me, that meant as God began to draw me out of the sin patterns that I was enslaved to, mm-hmm. uh, rage and anger, self-medication, some of that stuff, mm-hmm. as he began to do that and heal me, he got to the roots of the behavior, which was my father wound. Yep. And as that father wound began to be healed a little at a time, and I began to get victory in certain areas of my life, I began to start to share that mm-hmm. because I had a song to sing. Mm-hmm. And the more I shared it, the more other people said, you know what? I had that problem too. Yep. And so before you know it, you're, you're being evangelization. You're not doing it. You're being it. Yep. And people see it and they're, they want to be part of it. And so you, it's not something we have to go out and attack, Mm -hmm. you know, this feminine genius idea. I have to go do it. You know, we just have to submit to God and God does it. He brings the genius that he created us with to the forefront and how in the world that I, I mean, I have been through this series that I've been doing on the father wound. Mm -hmm. It has really brought all of it for full circle for me. And I am realizing that all of the blood, sweat and tears that I have, um, spent with him in trying to heal and be obedient to him mm-hmm. and serve my family and the church in all of those ways 
I just can't imagine that he could have taken the most painful thing in my entire life and used it for not only my own good, but, but the good of other people. It is the greatest miracle. I think that's the whole point of feminine genius. Mm -hmm. When we become what God made us to be, then like St. Catherine says, we have set the world on fire. Yes. I love it. I love it. And what a better place to look than to find out how to, how to be and how to exist in God's plan for us than the Bible and the Marian example. That's just, oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I think the thing um, that is so helpful in the Bible, it's a contemplative tool that the Holy Spirit uses. But what's so beautiful about it is we begin to know and feel how much God loves us. And we can't do anything we're supposed to do until we have that peace. Mm -hmm. And that's what so many of us are missing. We don't really believe he loves us until he shows himself to us in in the, the scriptures. Yep. I'm guilty of that. I was at an event last night and the phrase that kept coming up in journaling and in conversation was like, he delights in us. Like he sings over us and he loves us. And like, as much as I know that, like in my head, the Bible and like encountering his word has been able to like push that down to my heart where it's like, Oh yes, that's true. So. Amen. I remember uh, sitting on my porch many years ago when my oldest son was very small, Mm -hmm. my mother had bought a couple of ducks Mm -hmm. for Easter and brought them to our house. And so he was outside playing in a little kiddie pool with those ducks and I was watching him from the porch Uh and I got so tickled because he was, laughing so loudly and so happily he was having so much fun because the ducks were playing they were just being ducks you know yeah so they're splashing and they're they're getting water everywhere and he's cackling you know so he's having fun just doing what little boys do they play you know yeah and i'm sitting on the porch and i said lord that is the neatest thing i get because i was happy yeah watching him be a little boy and the ducks be little ducks they were just being who they were and what they were doing what they naturally do yeah And I was so happy in that moment. And I said, Lord, thank you for this. And he slammed that point home in my heart. He said, that's exactly how I feel about you. Yep. When I watch you doing what you do and and be who you are. Yep. Yep. I love that. That's so beautiful. And just, yeah, it's, it's what he calls us to. And he, yeah, he, he loves seeing us fulfill his, his plan for our lives. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for all the work that you've done. And this is like you were saying, like, this is, this is so important. This is key to having a relationship with Christ and encountering him. And it's something that the Catholic women may be hesitant to do, or they don't know how to do. And the work that you've done is amazing. And it's, I know it's touching hearts and it's touched my heart. So thank you so much for your work. It is my happiest privilege. Thanks for listening. You'll find all of Sonia's resources over at my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com. If you have a spare moment, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes so that more listeners can find this resource. And if you'd like to support Letters to Women financially, you can visit patreon.com slash letters to women. As a Patreon supporter, you'll have access to exclusive sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, patron-only polls to decide on future podcast up subjects, and many more rewards. So check it out today. And that's all I have for this episode. So until next time, be not afraid.